You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? Well, come on. Baby, don't you want to go? Back to the same old place. Sweet home, Chicago. Welcome back, Bears fans. Another edition of Bears Nation podcast recap episode. The Bears beat the Jaguars 41-17. to And on top of that, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Arizona Cardinals on Saturday. So, ladies and gentlemen, you are looking at your playoff Chicago Bears right now in the seventh seed. And that is a statement I can't believe I'm saying. Uh, that is a statement I did not think would have been possible six weeks ago, five weeks ago, however long ago. But here we are, and it happened, and the Bears just need to either beat the Packers this upcoming week, which we'll get into in the preview episode later this week, or, I mean, if the Cardinals lose again, the Bears can lose to the Packers, and you get in at 8-8. Eight and eight. So, I mean, I can't believe it's the chips have fallen this way. I can't believe we're talking about this even. Um, but we said last week, you know, any given Sunday, the 49ers, uh, we did say that it would be possible for them to beat the Cardinals. And then they did. They, and, you know, the Bears just had to win against the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars, which they did in a very loud fashion, putting up 41 points, uh, which is the most they put up in a long, long time. Uh, Mitch Trubisky has another good day, uh, 265 yards, two touchdowns, a rushing touchdown as well. Um, playoff, playoff football. I mean, you're looking right at it. You're looking right at it, boys. You're looking right at it. The Bears currently, uh, according to Steve Kornacki from NBC, have a 70% chance to make the playoffs because of those two avenues, right? It's not just the fact that the Bears have to beat the Packers. Cardinals um, would have to take care of business against the Rams now. Jared Goff looks like he might be out, but Kyler Murray might also be out. He's dealing with a lower leg injury. So there's a lot that can happen. But honestly, I know there's a lot of fans out there who are a little bit upset that the Packers aren't going to be resting their starters. Oh, you know, the Bears have no chance. Quite frankly, like, isn't this the way we want it? I mean, to beat your rival to get into the playoffs, I mean, that that's that's exactly the way we want it. I mean, there's nothing sweeter than that to do it at home, to get in against, you know, Aaron Rodgers, not the backups, the real starters. I feel like that would just make it 10 times more sweet. So as much as, yes, it would have been easy to beat the backups and you would have cruised into the playoffs, there is something to be said about how sweet that would feel to get in that way. And then maybe, you never know, down the road you would face off against them later in the playoffs. So it's right in front of them. They got to take care of business. It is helpful that they're at home. They have a big week ahead of them. But what I said earlier in the preview episode as well for this Jags game was they needed to use this game to build momentum and build confidence. And in the first half, they did not do that. And I was very, very worried. There was questions about, you know, Ron Claude Smith being injured. The Mitch interception was terrible. Other things going on. The second half, they completely squandered any questions that were there. And now they have built a heck of a lot of momentum going into Week 17. This was the best possible scenario. I predicted 45-17. They put up 41-17. A wide margin was exactly what they needed. And now, like the, like I said, this team is riding its high going to Week 17. And that's exactly the way you want it because you're going to need it against Green Bay. So it's right in front of them. And quite frankly, they have the momentum and confidence to get it done. So very, very impressed and you know exactly what the doctor ordered in this game against Jack. Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it a little bit on the preview. And, you know, I said that, like, I, I was already looking forward to week 17. And, you know, now we're here. Yes, there's a chance the Bears lose this game and, you know, they can still get in. But, you know, technically, the way I'm looking at it is, you know, everything comes down to this game. Like you, everything you've worked for, the struggles, the, you know, rebounding back these last couple games and, and you know, turning your season around like, it, you know, it, it all really comes down to this. So, it, you know, this is going to tell you a lot about this team is going to tell you if, you know, these last three games were, you know, were, were, if these last three games were, if that actually was a turning point or, you know, if they were just beating up on bad teams, like this game is just going to answer so much in my opinion. Um, and, you know, I, I tweeted about it. Um, honestly, if the Packers were, you know, if they were in a situation where they were able to rest their starters, I don't even care. I would have taken it because um, I want the, <laughs> these last. I want these last three wins to mean something. Like if you're 100%. if you're telling me, you know what I mean. Like I because if they 
you know, if the Bears don't get into the playoffs, it's really going to feel like they won these last three games or these last three games for no reason in my head. Um, so, you know, I want to get in no matter what you've, you know, you made it this far. So as far as that goes, like I'll get in anyway. I do see your point though. Like it would, I mean, for, from like, uh, from an emotional standpoint, it would definitely feel much better to, you know, beat their yeah. starters. But yeah, like, I don't think, I think everyone knows how important this game is. Um, yeah, like everything you, you've worked for this season comes down to this. It, it was a really good, because we talked about last week that, you know, you needed to come in and put up this type of performance because it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, you know, like Chris was saying, you wanted the win to mean something and you score 40 points. Like, I, that's really good. I mean, I think it was a really complete performance. Like Kevin said, the first half was a little scary. You were only up by three going into halftime. And then the Bears open up and they score 21 points in the third quarter. Um, and don't let Jacksonville score again until really garbage time. So really, you were up. I mean, you held them to 10 points for most of the game, uh, and they didn't yeah. score again. So that was huge. I mean, David Montgomery had 23 carries. Again, looks like an absolute stud. David Montgomery is finally coming around, and uh, like we've talked about in previous weeks, I think that's because the offensive line has finally figured it out, which is fantastic. Um, so David Montgomery, over 100 all-purpose yards again. Uh, and everyone really contributed. I mean, even Kevin's guy, Artavis Pierce, found his way into the end zone. So, I, I mean, really, everyone c- contributions on every single level. Um, the defense played really well. Uh, and then, obviously, like I said earlier, you had a good game from Mitch. Uh, and you even got a little bit of garbage time, Nick Foles. So, I mean, any time you can put in the backups to end the game and kneel it out and just run the clock down, you'll take that. The Bears scored, have scored 30-plus points in four straight games for the first time since 1965. Like, we really need to appreciate what we're witnessing here, and especially after everything that's going on. I mean, what, what we're watching is quite incredible. I mean, it really is. It's, it's a, a time we should cherish because, as we've seen, we haven't seen anything like this since 1965. As Bears fans, we've been so starved of offense perf- offensive performances like this. And all of a sudden, that's four straight games with 30-plus points, a game with 40. They're rolling. Like, they, they simply can't be stopped. And I'm going to give a little bit of credit to Matt Nagy. I know that sounds crazy, but you have to give credit where credit is due and look if he can prove that he gives guys opportunities I might be fine with him staying because he did show the selflessness and his decision to give up play calling as we mentioned in the podcast long ago was the best decision he could ever make as a head coach was the best move he made and you know really the, the problem I've had with him all along is not giving guys opportunities but now you you, you mentioned Sam Mustafer, Alex Bars, and now Artavis Pierce and it again two plays Artavis Pierce were positive plays I think one 12 yards and then the other one a touchdown like this guy has it. If Nat Nagy can just give guys opportunities and figure out his talent evaluation, I might be fine with him as the head coach. And that's all I'm going to say there because right now, this I mean, it, this offense is rolling. I mean, there is nothing wrong with this offense aside from the, the Trubisky interception. Nothing well, went wrong on Sunday. Well, let's opinion. also talk about the weird Cole Komet run on the half-yard line, which that was, was oh, super, so super So that was apparently— weird. Adam Hogue tweeted that they were planning on running that, and apparently Clancy Barone got in the mix and said he wanted to yeah. run that play. So apparently Clancy Barone was the one who was, you know, making the call, at, which is really weird. I mean, I, you know, maybe Clancy Barone has more say than, you know, Clancy Barone's a tight end coach, for those who don't remember the name. Um, maybe he has more say in the plays that are being called. Um, we'll get into the tight ends because we know how Jimmy Graham did. But uh, that was weird. But other than that, I mean, the past four weeks, like – this offense is rolling, and Bill Lazor is doing all the right things. They're playing to the team's strengths. And I saw that comparison between Matt Nagy and, like, a Mike Tomlin, where he's a guy who's you know, hasn't had a losing season in his career, keeps the guys together. He's a glue guy. He's the CEO or whatever. He doesn't call plays, and, he's, and, and he just leaves it up to his offensive coordinator. And if this is the product, if this is the product, and, you know, people change. People learn and people change. And as fans and analysts, sometimes we act like players and coaches can never change. Like, what we see is who they are. That, that's that's the way we see it sometimes. Mitch Trubisky in these past four games has debunked that theory. So I'll put some faith into the fact that Matt Nagy has seen what Mustafer, Bars, Pierce, some of these other guys have done and understands the magic that can happen by just giving these guys opportunities. And maybe, you know, because of this sample size we have these past four games, it's it's enough to say that maybe we're okay with him going forward. But nonetheless, the offense is rolling, and there, there's nothing you know that should be changed about it right now. And I know that's crazy, but the offense, 30-plus points in four straight games for the first time since 1965. Like, that statement alone is just something that you know should be put on a wall and, and plastered onto Hallis Hall for, for some great reason. Yeah, I... 
I'm going to have to disagree with that. I I think it's absolutely in freaking sane to say you to say Matt Nagy should be back. I think that's this is literally exactly what I was talking about a couple weeks ago. Like literally exactly. I know we haven't, we haven't even seen if they, if they're going to get into the playoffs yet. And we're already talking about bringing them back. Like that's kind of what I was talking about. And you know, I, I, I need to see more. I need to see more. I'm sorry. Like you guys can call me negative. There's no way I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt after, after going on a six game losing streak. I'm not negative. Yeah. I'm almost positive that the only other teams that lost six straight games were the worst three teams in the league. I'm almost positive on that. So, I mean, you don't get that benefit of the doubt after these three games, for me at least. If you make the playoffs, maybe we can bring it up. But, I mean, like, you you just, you really sit and think about this. Like, I mean, he, and and Kevin, this kind of goes back to what you, uh, what you brought mm-hmm. up, like, a while back about how, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, there's another way of looking at this, like, you mean to tell me that, you know, him like him bringing back Trubisky, you can attest that to why the offense is, you know, looking better. But he's the one who made that decision in the first yes. place. So, like, how are we how can we be sure that, you know, when a situation like this comes up again, that he's going to get it right? Like, I, I just think it like, I, I don't know. I need to see more. I'm not ready to say that at all. If it were up to me, he would still be gone right now. Well, that's but my that's point, Chris, is like, so that's my point is like, we've seen change. And and this is what I'm talking about. Like these, this past, what is it? Five games now with Laser and Nagy, if Laser has that offensive coordinator. And I, I think it's a little bit more than that. But since Mitch came back, Laser is the OC, Nagy is the head coach, things have worked. So here's what I'm talking about is like, like that formula going forward might be okay. Nagy still should be, you know, I, I'm still, it's unbelievable. I mean, again, the fact that we're eight and seven right now is due to the decisions Matt Nagy has made, but if you have laser calling the shots on offense, he's the one deciding, you know, which players, which personnel maybe should be in there. Maybe he had a huge voice on getting Mustafa and bars in the mix. Then maybe I'm okay with that because this is, this is completely different. Like this isn't Matt and Nagy, you know, controlling the offensive show now. And if, if Chuck Pagano has been terrible, but if Matt Nagy can just keep doing what he's doing, because whether you like it or not, you do have to give credit to the fact that they dug themselves out of that hole. We we mentioned at five and seven that team could have checked out. They they you know whether you wanted them to tank or not they could have they could have imploded. I mean everything could have fallen apart. How we thought it was it was over in the locker room. We thought the locker room was fractured. Clearly that wasn't the case. And yes you I know you do have to give credit to Matt Nagy for that. So I don't I don't. I'm not giving a whole ton of credit to Matt Nagy because he's still like I meant. Yes, every offensive appointment is still uh, is still an indictment on you know the decisions that he made in the past. But if this formula is working and we have every piece of evidence that it is with Laser as the OC, with Nagy simply as the head coach, and with Trubisky as the quarterback, then you know I, I can't complain with what I'm seeing because I, I really can't complain because this is something we haven't seen since 1965. So it's like one of those things where okay, now you have this, you changed. Why ruin a good thing? So I think that's where some people are coming from there. And I know this sounds like a complete 180 because I've been on the fire Matt Nagy train for a long time. And I still wouldn't be upset if that happened. But there is something to be said based off of what we're seeing that if he you know, maintains that position, Laser maintains his position, and Trubisky's the quarterback. I mean, we have all of the evidence we need to see that that is a successful formula. So the, I was I, I was going to bring up this point because Chris has good points about, you know, you got to see more. But also, you know, those other teams that lost six straight games, the three worst teams in the league, blah, blah, blah. Um, those teams also didn't go through a massive quarterback change. Those teams didn't hand over, you know, like the Bears have had things change where exactly. to Kevin's point, this is, is a different team. I'm with you, Chris. I do agree that I do. I also need to, would like to see more. Um, beating up on the Jaguars isn't enough for me. Beating up on the Texans isn't enough for me. Um, you know, losing to the Lions says a hell of a lot more to me than mm-hmm. beating the Jaguars. So, I mean, this this week against the Packers, uh, which we'll talk about later in a couple days, obviously. But uh, I think this says a lot more than what the game against the Jaguars said. So, while I don't think Nagy is completely safe, and I'm not rooting to bring him back yet. Um, I do agree that he is making a case for him to be brought back. And like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Chris, we know how this organization operates. We know how they think um, and we've seen how they think. And there's a pretty good chance that he's going to, you know, 
like Kevin said earlier, doesn't have a losing season yet. So uh, it, yep. there's a good chance they bring him back just for that on that alone, which should, and, and granted, I mean, it, that's, it's, it's that might not be the right move. That, that might not be something that they, like, I'm not saying, oh, well, he's gone eight and eight. He deserves it. You know, like, obviously you want a coach that can win 11, 12 games like he did in his first year. But um, knowing how this organization operates and knowing how they think and how they've done things in the past, um, I, I think that Nagy has endeared himself to them. And I think uh, he's probably said the right things. I mean, we know he knows to say the right things, how to say the right things off the field. So, um, but it all comes back to this week and you get in the playoffs. They're going to bring him back. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we're just going to yeah, have to no. wait and see at this point. No, 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 I'm not disagreeing with the fact that it could happen because I literally told you guys a couple of weeks ago, this is exactly what's going to happen. Look, just look at the, look at how we're talking right now. I mean, literally it, it's just, I don't know, man, to me, it just feels like a situation where you're settling. I'm going to be honest, like, you know, you 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 bounce you you lose six straight then you come back and win three games and now you know that six game loser like literally nobody has talked about that six game losing streak and I don't care that well, you know people pe- pe- wait hang on people are gonna say oh it's in the past it doesn't matter it doesn't matter like six game nobody nobody gets the benefit of the doubt after losing six straight freaking games like nobody nobody you can fire freaking Doug Marone with the with the roster he has for losing six straight like that should not be happening and I, I don't know man I I, I you I, I guess I'm just negative I, I guess no so, you're not negative I, I'm you're not these, negative. these are fair points you, you yes bring they're 100% up, valid these are these are fair complaints and fair gripes to have and things to be worried about I don't I don't think you're I don't think you're misguided for saying these things I, I don't know man I I kind of just I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think this this just kind of stems from what Jake has been talking about, like just about knowing how the organization works and just, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it just feels like know. we're settling to me. But and like that's, that's I don't know how I don't know, though, because like if we were winning these games by a close margin and we were putting up, you know, our typical 24 points and winning with defense 24, 21, I would feel this way. I would feel the way you're feeling. But we have we have nothing to complain. Yes. I, I mean, the, the competition thing is a valid argument. But, you know, we've seen in the past this team not put up all these points against bad competition. So I don't know how valid that argument is. I mean, they're finally, you know, destroying these uh, lower ranked teams. So it's all, it's all based off of what we talked about early change. We've seen change. We have to allow people and the organization to change. And if I have reasons and, and I've seen that they have changed for the better, and there's nothing in my mind that can tell me that they're going to back to going to go back to their previous self, which they shouldn't. Matt Nagy should never go back to calling plays. Mitch Trubisky, at least for this year, should uh, never not be the quarterback. Like if I if I have a reason to believe that it, it's all trending up right now, which it is, then I'm I don't want to ruin a good thing. And I think that's where I'm kind of coming from here. Like it like, do you understand what I'm what I'm going at with that? Because I, I totally understand your argument that this is what you feared. And for those who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, Chris has been on the train, and, and all of us maybe have been on the train about, oh, you know, they go eight and eight, they go nine and seven. All these guys keep their job, and you know, them winning their final games is like masking the real issue or something like that. But all I'm saying is like we've seen change. And that is the most important word, change. They've gotten better. They look like a different organization, a, a different team these past five games. So that's where I'm coming from, uh, Chris. I know I know it's hard to see that. And I know a lot of Bears fans are kind of making it hard to see that. But, you know, you can't argue with what we've seen the past four weeks and how good it's been. So that's that's where I'm coming from. And I think that's kind of where Jake is coming from, too. And, and maybe some Bears fans are. And that's why I think you see a lot of the franchise or a lot of the fan base, rather, all of a sudden kind of coming out saying, you know what, maybe it is OK if Nagy does come back. Yeah, I mean, okay, but but let me let me bring this up to you. Like, we're saying this right now, okay? Like, you're saying you would be okay with it, this and that. Let's say the Bears lose next week and don't make the playoffs. What's the conversation? What are we doing? Where do you go from there? Where do you pivot? Yeah, um, I mean, it's like it's like that medium. It's like you're in limbo there. You're in limbo because you saw so many good. I think, well, first of all, it depends on the fashion in which you would lose. And I'm not saying they're going to lose. But if you do, if you put up a performance like you put up against Sunday night uh, against the Packers on Sunday night football weeks ago. Yeah, everybody's gone. But if it's a close game and, you know, there's a oh God, a Chris Connie type play, uh, you know, they'll likely, they'll likely keep their jobs. But <laughs> I hate to bring it up. Um, oh, but 
It is. It is. Yes, Chris, what you're trying to say is correct. A lot of what we're talking about is kind of temporary. It's very contingent on what happens next week. A hundred percent. So maybe we shouldn't get too carried away from ourselves because as we said the first time they played the Packers and every time they play the Packers in the past, the one thing that a head coach for the Chicago Bears organization is supposed to do and the main thing that they are told to do and brought in to do as the head coach is beat the Green Bay Packers. That is one of the number one things you're supposed to do as head coach of the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy has not really done that. Um, he has an opportunity to do that now. And in the most important game of his career and most important game of Mitch Trubisky's career. So, yes, it is kind of temporary. It's all contingent on next Sunday. So I don't know if I'm going to give you a full answer uh, right now. But, you know, it, it's all in front of him. That's true. If, if they, they lose, it's going and it all come down to what Matt Nagy says in his exit interview on the, you know, you know, like, like the exit interview for the season. I mean, not like that he would be yeah. fired, but like the exit interview, like, all right, season's over. Um, you know, we're doing the exit interviews, you know, for the off season, blah, blah. And it depends on what he says there, because I mean, like I said earlier, you know, this, we know how this organization is run and how they work. They're not going to make a decision without talking to him. So if he goes in there and he says the right things and says, all right, I'm keeping this, I'm keeping these guys on the coaching staff. I'm keeping so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. I'm keeping Trubisky as, as the quarterback. I'm keeping the offensive line the same. When we get Daniels back every, and we're going to get even stronger there, blah, 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 blah. And if he says the right things and convinces the ownership that he could still make this work, and you know, two back-to-back eight and eight seasons is—I mean, there are coaches that have done worse. Look at look at the Jaguars, look at the Jets, look at what the Browns were forever. So eight and eight—I mean, you're, you're treading water at the very least there. So I think if he goes in there and says the right things, they'll absolutely bring him back. I think the same goes for Ryan Pace, um, which I, I think Pace is probably back regardless. Yes, but. I would um, agree. So I think it all just depends. And yeah, and like you said, that's even if they lose, who knows? I mean, this team clearly has confidence right now. So I, I we'll see what happens. And we'll talk about it in the preview episode in a couple of days. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it would just depend on that, I think. And the thing is, we know Nagy knows how to talk. We know he's personable. We know he's relatable. We know he says the right things when it matters. So I think it would all just come down to that to answer your question, Chris. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. But um, going back to this game really quick, I mean, just a couple notes I want to hit on. Roquan Smith, two interceptions, continues to be a a superstar, continues to transform into a star before our very eyes. Was very scary when he went out of the game for a little bit. Uh, It it looked like you might lose him for the most important stretch of the season here. Um, But he comes back, gets another interception. Granted, it was tipped by Danny Trevathan, and Roquan just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But, I mean, still, he is... A absolute star. I mean, Roquan continues another eight tackles, two pass defense, and then obviously the two interceptions. But I mean, credit to him. He's he's been unbelievable all season and continues to just be a star right in front of us. He didn't like that Pro Bowl snub. I think we can say that <laughs> fairly. He didn't like that. He had to come out here and shut him up. But he said, you know what? I'm going to make some plays and you're going to make me an all-pro to make up for my Pro Bowl snub. And he did just that. And we talked about when we were talking about his Pro Bowl snub, like the lack of big-time plays there, meaning turnovers. He got those now. I mean, you know, people compared Fred Warner to uh, Roquan Smith and kind of the one glaring comparison there was the fact that Warner had two or three interceptions and Roquan had, I believe, none at the time. And now he's got two. So, you know, now there's really no argument for any of those guys over Roquan. So hell of a job by him. Hell of a job by the defense to step up in the second half. They did not look good in the first half. Mike Lennon was shredding them for a little while. Uh, they finally figured out, made some good halftime adjustments, got the turnovers they needed. And then, you know, I, I, I could say it every episode I, for any team in any league, uh, you know, college football, whatever it is, turnovers dictate the game. And turnovers would, is what allowed the Chicago Bears to put this game away in the second half. And especially in the third quarter, all of a sudden we're looking at the best third quarter team in NFL history there with the Chicago Bears scoring, I think, uh, 21 point. Was it 21 or 14 or 21? Yeah, 21 in the third quarter. How, how about that? Um, so turnovers dictate it, and that's what this team has been lacking. So hell of a job by Roquan to be, uh, you know, finding the ball there, and it's going to be necessary. I know Rodgers has only thrown four interceptions, four some fumbles, maybe get one because turnovers, at least one of them, is going to be necessary against Green Bay Week 17. So good to gain some momentum on that side. Yeah, um, I mean, Roquan is just, uh, I mean, he's phenomenal. Um, the, the guy. He's just always making the right plays like, you know, he 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 makes the right plays. He doesn't, you know, like he he doesn't make the mistakes that, you know, most football players make. He's just on top of it. Like, I just feel like he reads the game. He processes it, processes it at a quicker 
um, rate than, than, you know, most linebackers. Like, I just think he's a genuinely smart player. And I think that's what kind of sets him apart. Like, you know, he, he's one of those guys, I, I would refer to him as a thumper. You know, he's one of those linebackers that's going to be, that's going to fly all over the field in your face, mm-hmm. you know, hit, make, getting those hard hits, this and that. But one thing that I, I don't think he gets enough credit for, it's his play and coverage. Like, you know, I, I've seen that be a knock against him, um, you know, since he's entered the league, but I just, I don't see it. I really don't. Like, I, I think Roquan is above average in, in coverage, and I think he's, you know, great at what he does. You know, his role is as a thumper. Like, that's just what he is. But, you know, he brings more to the table than people give him credit for. And, you know, he's just, like, we, we got really freaking lucky with Roquan Smith. I, I will say that. Like, we we have a superstar. He, yeah, he he he, start, he set the tone early in the season. He's been consistently excellent every single week. So, I mean, credit to Ryan Pace for that one. <laughs> I mean, he's had some misses in the past, but, I mean, he nailed it with that draft pick. So that's great. And, um, go ahead. Yeah, well, you talked about setting the tone, and, and that's really important because, quite frankly, like those guys that you expect to set the tone, like a Khalil Mack and a Robert Quinn, have not set the tone this year. So who's been that guy? It's been Roquan Smith, and that's why he's been regarded as the best defensive player on this team right now is because he's setting the tone. He's making all the plays, and he's leading this. And, yes, granted, that is what a you know middle linebacker is. You know, he's an inside linebacker. That's what they're supposed to do. You know, those linebackers who lead the team, a Trevathan, a, a Roquan, they set the tone. Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn haven't really been doing that, getting pressure on the quarterback. Certain games, yes, but not consistently. So Roquan Smith assuming that role, especially for a player as young as he is, is really, really promising and really, really important. Because like I mentioned, like you get a guy who sets the tone and starts to get some interceptions. We know the team feeds off that. The defense feeds off that. The players feed off that. They're ready to go. So huge credit to him for setting the tone and being a guy, especially as a younger player, to step up and assume that role. Yeah, and... He's been fantastic, and I think that the defense is really feeding off of that, and especially in a year, like you said, when mm-hmm. some guys haven't exactly uh, lived up to expectations. And, I mean, this, this is happening while you're missing Jalen Johnson, who's been fantastic, right. or you're, while you miss uh, Buster Screen, who has been solid at the very least. So, I mean, you're missing key parts. And Speaking of which, though, I mean, credit to Kendall Vilder and Duke Shelley. Mm-hmm. They've, been, they've been really good. They've been really solid. Granted, you've played the Vikings and the Texans and the, the Jaguars, but I mean, still, I mean, there's guys that can make plays on all those teams. So credit to Duke Shelley and Kendall Villar for stepping in admirably. Uh, obviously, hopefully you get Johnson and screen back soon. Um, screen, I'm a little less hopeful about just because of the nature of concussions. But um, but also I, another bright spot from yesterday. I mean, really, the whole offense was a bright spot yesterday. But Allen Robinson, 10 catches. <laughs> I mean, that's just an out- insane number. When nobody else had more than four, and Allen Robinson gets ten, hey, that's crazy to me. But I credit him. I mean, he's really he's really fighting for that contract extension. 100 receptions on the year. 100 receptions, 1,000 yards. Uh, I mean, it's it's just consistency, man. It, it, that's exactly what it is. Like, you know, obviously when people think of the best receivers in the NFL, they think, you know, a whole bunch of touchdowns, a whole bunch of yards, all that, you know, you know, flashy, all this, DeAndre Hopkins. And, and you know, Allen Robinson sitting there just consistent as hell. I mean, that, that, that's, that is, I think, the best word for him. You know, every single week he's going to come out and produce. Year after year he's going to come out and produce and be your leading receiver and be the guy to lead your offense. Um, uh, it's it, that's what a leader does. That's what a guy like Allen Robinson does. It, it's unbelievably impressive. You would like to see him get some more opportunities in the red zone. I would love to see him get some more touchdowns, but you can't complain when you're giving Jimmy Graham two touchdowns and it's, you know, easy as, as a snap in your finger when you got Jimmy Graham in the end zone. Um, so Allen Robinson is the man of consistency week after week, proving that, you know, he's a leader on this team. And, and again, I mean, he's another guy that falls under the category of the circumstances where, you know, he could have checked out. I mean, he was unhappy with the situation a little bit you know people are talking all this and all that about him and and you know he could have just checked out a little bit and and no that's not the case week after week like I mentioned he's coming in 10 receptions making plays all over the field putting his body on the line for the team uh that's a hell of a team player there Allen Robinson I think and I think it's also proven that you know I think this guy wants to be in Chicago I think if they really do figure things out here you know it's not a crazy scenario that he returns to the Bears in 2021 I think he still likes it here we've seen the moments with him and Mitch you know things don't aren't as bad as they were five weeks ago so I think things are trending up that way as well as far as Rob and returning to the Bears, and that's, uh, you know, Christmas is late, but that would be the best Christmas gift I could ask for. I mean, here's the thing with this. I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but, like, 
there is if if Pace gives Robinson the money he's asking for, there is no way he doesn't come back. All of this is is mm-hmm. just it's just relying on the money. That's all. There and you know as bad as the Bears offense was earlier in the year, I think despite that if Pace offered Robinson that contract the money that he wanted at that time, he still would have taken it. I know from from you know the people that I've talked to and I know you've got you guys have probably heard this before too, but like he loves everything about Chicago. Like it really just seemed like the numbers were off in, in you know, in, in the negotiations. And that's really all it was like, he's never, there, there's never been a problem. He's never hinted at anything. There's never been any hint from anybody else that, you know, he, he wants to leave. He's not happy with the situation. Like all of this just revolves around the money. Like, is that, is that wrong to say? Cause I, I don't think it's been about anything else this entire time. I mean, y- yes, uh, maybe. I mean, I-, I told you guys, I was talking to his agent uh, on Twitter and, you know, people listen to this know that, you know, they have a strong lineage to the city. His agent, uh, his dad actually was an agent as well, who was the agent for Devin Hester, Rex Grossman, Julius Peppers, I think, like a bunch of other Chicago guys. So they love the city. I mean, Alan Robinson loves the city. He wants to be here. But I do think early on, especially, there was, I, I think there was concern that, you know, he... At the time, and maybe even uh, during, you know, the midst of their losing streak as well, that he was a little bit worried with the situation, that he wasn't, you know, getting the most out of himself, uh, given what was going on with the offense. And I, and I think that's valid for a player to believe that um, he wasn't really outspoken about it. I mean, he liked the tweets on Twitter, the tweet replies on Twitter about, you know, people telling him to come to, uh, you know, different teams and stuff and, and that was I think probably blown out of proportion um, but no I mean I think you are right that it is revolved most of, mostly around the money um, and maybe Ryan Pace was sitting here telling me okay this is the, you know prove it you know show me that you're worth it this year not like he needed to but for whatever reason he said that's the case and he's done that so um, I think after this year we'll find out we'll find out if it really was about the money or not or really if you want to be in a different situation but at this point he, he can't really complain I mean he's getting the ball 13 times targets 10 receptions he's he's getting the ball as much as he possibly can he doesn't really have an argument uh to be you know saying oh i i, I should be so much successful so much uh, more successful at a different location when he's putting up and producing and putting up a thousand yard seasons with right now a good above average quarterback in mitch Trubisky, the way he's playing so that argument isn't doesn't have merit anymore so it likely is surrounded around the money at this point yeah, and I don't think you're going to get it at this point. I mean, it's going to be after the season now. Oh, I mean, yeah. Obviously, uh, not, yes. they're not going to do it right yes. now. No. Um, so, I mean, I, and I think that's why people have kind of cooled off on that. You know, you don't see it on Twitter every week anymore because people know, you know, you got uh, the most important game of the season coming up. And then if you get into the playoffs, obviously, um, you're not going to talk about contracts during that time either. So it'll probably be a couple months. But, I mean, I'm willing to wait. I think, like you guys said, I think it, it's clear he wants to be here. He clearly vibes with the team. He clearly clicks with this, the guys on this team. So uh, I think it's a matter of when and not if. So that's a good sign. Um, and speaking of good signs, the Bears have the best kicker in the history of the league. I mean, oh right now. Uh, Cairo Santos, best Chicago Bear of all time, uh, put up the statue. The man is absolutely <laughs> crushing it. Two more field goals yesterday, five extra points. Uh, I believe tied Robbie Gold for the longest. Yep. No, no, no. I think he passed him. Passed him. He did. He did pass him. He did pass him. Yes. And Kyra- that is deserving after the crimes that Robbie Gold nearly committed on Saturday. Yep. What yes. the hell was that? That is true. Robbie Gold uh, missed a couple kicks for San Francisco. Thankfully, they were still able to pull out the win and beat the Cardinals. But and Cairo Santos. He's, he's going to be back next year. He's obviously earned it. Uh, he's yeah. been absolutely – he's been fantastic all year, um, and he's earned it. I, I don't know what this says about Eddie Pinheiro, but I think Cairo Santos has been great. Um, so credit to him. Jake, this is not coming for you because obviously it had to be brought up, but I just keep seeing people talking about Eddie P as if, like, he was Justin Tucker when he was playing. Like, the guy, he was okay. Like, I, I don't get, who cares about Eddie Pinheiro right now? We Cairo Santos is not missing. Like, who cares about Eddie Pinheiro? He could get released tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Like, you know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like, No, I, I think you're completely right. I, well, I think people remember, you know, the Denver kick, and he's a yeah, relatable guy. Like, he, he likes the team, and he's he's funny on online. He's, you know, relatable, yeah. and he's a good guy. So I think it's just one of those things where people just like him, you know? Yeah. 
fair enough. Fair enough. I, I just I, I want to say something about Cairo Santos. Like, I, I don't know if you guys remember the first like after the first I want to say like three, four games where, you know, we were trying to figure out if, he, you know, it was just temporary that he was making all these kicks or if we actually found our kicker. I kept saying I was like, man, like, I don't know. I'm not ready to, you know, I still get nervous. And, and then like it just went away. Like I, I I'm I'm. When the Bears are lining up for a field goal, I'm already like, all right, let's get to the commercial, man. Come on, add the three points. Let's go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't <laughs> feel like that about a Bears kicker ever. Chris, like, Chris, <laughs> knock on wood. Right here, right here, bro. Right here. <laughs> listen, listen. Now. I want you guys to hear it too. Here, listen. Okay, we have it. We have it. I, because I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not even gonna go any further. I'm just. He's knocked on wood. It's done. We're not gonna talk about what could That's happen it. in the future and what has happened in the past. But yeah, uh, I think. Well, I do want to say one thing that's gonna happen in the future, and that's gonna be that I'm buying a Cairo Santos jersey. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 We can talk about that. <laughs> Put the yeah. statue up. Put the statue up. It is really funny, guys. I went back and was listening to our first episode with Adam Abdallah because I want to play a segment that I'll play after this. Um, but in our first episode with Adam Abdallah, I think it was like August or whatever, it was in training camp. And we were doing a segment called Significant or Insignificant. And one of our questions for the segment was, Bears pick up Cairo Santos, significant or insignificant? And I think a lot of us were like, insignificant. You know, what is? who cares? I mean, Eddie Pinero is going to be the guy. He's, you know, he looks like he's been okay. You know, why the hell does Cairo Santos being picked up mean anything? And boy, boy, were we wrong. And probably everybody was wrong. I mean, nobody saw this coming. I mean, this guy had success early in his career with Kansas City. And then kickers are just weird, man. But once you find a groove, like every kicker in the league is streaky. Like once you find a groove, you just get rolling. And you're, and you're in the vibe and, and you're just doing well. And that's where he's at right now so safe to say we were wrong about that because he's been more than significant he's won us some games with the amount of kicks he's made um and he just continues to be incredibly efficient but now i do want to talk about another thing we talked about with adam abdallah on that episode this is uh following jimmy graham now scoring two touchdowns this past week uh 69 yards on four receptions that puts his season total at what eight or seven uh eight eight so listen to this segment here uh, or this clip from the last time we had Adam Abdella on the podcast. So we're going to do that. The first and the first one, the reason why I think it's a good segue is the name you left out was Jimmy Graham. But there are reports that, you know, Jimmy Graham. Okay. I, now, look. I, okay. So, first. Okay. Oh, that <laughs> laugh was so. That, that was. That was demonizing. So. To me. Okay. Uh, just insignificant. Next question. Insignificant. <laughs> but see. Okay. But why? See, why? We, got, we don't got to shut him down why? so quick. Why? Okay. When was the last time Jimmy Graham we was were, good? Okay, okay, look. We were Don't inefficient. Don't that the room is better because Jimmy Graham is in it. That's I'm bullshit. Not the room is what better. I, the room is better. I'm not, I mean, I don't, I don't, the, I don't know. Not that. But look, I mean, how, how inefficient were the Bears in the red zone? Terrible, right? Terrible. Okay. I mean, they, 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 they were terrible in the red zone. And from uh-huh. what we're hearing and from what we've seen, Jimmy Graham has proved to be a legit target in camp. And if he's giving you just five, five touchdowns in the red zone, that is improvement because Adam just Shaheen gave five, negative. Just five? How many touchdowns? When was the last time Jimmy Graham had five touchdowns? Uh, Probably 2016. 2016. Four years ago. But why? But I don't think look, that's impossible. Jimmy Graham isn't going to have five touchdowns. Like, I hope he does. Look, I hope he does. And if he does, please tweet me. Please tweet at me that I, I was wrong. I will. I hope you do. And I'll admit that I was wrong. I'll be the first one to be like, I was wrong. Jimmy Graham's awesome. <laughs> but I just, I, that's great. It's practice. Like it's, I don't, I don't put any stock into it because the dude hasn't performed on the field in games since 2016. <laughs> I'll set the over under Jimmy Graham touchdowns, like right at. I'll set it at two and a half. Okay, so after hearing that segment, Adam Abdallah was saying he didn't expect Jimmy Graham to get more than two touchdowns. He said we could tweet at him all we want if he got five touchdowns. He got two yesterday on Sunday. Now he's got eight on the season. It's safe to say that Jimmy Graham has been far more than significant this year. He's been incredible. I wouldn't say incredible, but he's been extremely efficient in the red zone. He's been been everything you wanted. He's He's been that red zone target. He's been that threat that you haven't had in a long time. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's been everything you asked for. I think what, what did we say? Five? We said we'd be happy with five touchdowns. I think. Yeah. 
five yeah. and now he's got eight and chris deserves a lot of credit here because in that in that segment you, you know you hear chris say uh you know for some weird reason for some weird reason he has this feeling that jimmy graham's going to be efficient for the team and it was just a gut feeling and chris you were 100 percent right about that yeah i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take a victory lap or anything because i did say that it was nothing more than a gut feeling and i didn't really give analysis as to why but uh well. you know like they just look like they're using him how i thought Jimmy Graham needs to be used. And, you know, that that's really all there is to it. Like he's every time his number's been called, I feel like he's he's done his job. He's been productive. And look, I don't give a shit about the money, man. You can talk about that money if he's producing and he's and, you know, he's doing all the right things like who really gives a shit? Nobody should. And, and, you know, he's he's I, I don't care. One million for every touchdown. I'll take it. What is it? He's on like eight mil a year, right? I, I believe. So screw it. One one mil for every touchdown. I'll take it. For and and with the uh, production we've gotten out of our tight ends recently, yeah. like you'll take this. Yeah. Right. When you think about last yeah. when you think about last year. And then, <laughs> like, exactly. You yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. With eight touchdowns. That's crazy, guys. <laughs> I, I I have. I could be wrong here. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that in 2018, Trey Burton, which in my opinion had a like in my head when I look back at that season, he had a good season. And he finished with like I think six touchdowns. So I mean yeah. like that that I don't know. And, and that was the year where I felt like we were actually getting some production out of the tight end spot. And you know now people were very unhappy with Jimmy Graham. And you know <laughs> we have one more game left, and he he has eight touchdowns already. Like that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm happy for him too because I know I know coming into the year he got a lot of bad. Like when the Bears signed yes. him, I remember yes. one thing he said. He said that he was going to try to prove he, he said he heard what Bears fans were saying at the moment that they signed him and that he was going to, you know, give us all for the team and for the city. And he's done that. So. Yeah. And it, it's really good, because especially too you think about like last year when you were expecting yeah, yeah, Jesper exactly. Horstead and J.P. Holtz to be the guys to make an impact. And now, I mean, even Komet, too. I mean, he didn't have the greatest day yesterday, but he had six targets. So it's clear that he's has a role in the offense, too. So, I mean, you could do a little. I mean, I think Jimmy Graham is one of those guys. He, I mean, he's out there. Cairo Santos, Mitch Trubisky has earned a contract next year from the Bears. And I think you'll probably see it. Um, cause like Chris said, he, it seems like, again, he likes Chicago. It seems like he likes to be here. So, I mean, if you could do, I mean, another year of progression from Cole Komet, um, and, and get him a, a more pronounced role in the offense. I mean, when was the last time the bears were able to run a two tight end set, you know? Yeah. So I'll take exactly. it. I mean, for sure. Well, never we, probably. <laughs> yeah, never. Well, I mean, rarely. And we talked about so often this past offseason, and, and you know, we talked about our keys for the offense in 2020, it was red zone scoring percentage. They had a 52.17% red zone scoring percentage in 2019, which was ranked bottom three in the league. Now they're at 60% throughout the season. Even with that you know, terrible offensive performance through the six-game skid, the last three games they're at 66.67%. And a huge portion of uh, you know that red zone scoring percentage comes from Jimmy Graham. Like When we get into the red zone now, I'm like – I, I would almost go as far to say I'm confident. Like I'm like, okay, you have Jimmy Graham there on a one-on-one possibility. You have Allen Robinson, who's an easy slant route touchdown. You've got a guy like Cole Komet who can run some things. you got Dave Montgomery, who's punishing guys. So Jimmy Graham has been an incredibly value, valuable asset. And exactly what you asked for, like you mentioned, I mean, Chris is exactly what Jake said. I mean, we were getting excited when G.P. Holtz caught like a 20-yard screen pass. I mean, we were freaking <laughs> out after that play, uh, you know, just to see some sort of life from tight ends. And now, you know, the fact that he's got eight touchdowns, I don't even know how many yards He's got probably 300, 400, somewhere around there. Like, we should be, you know, applauding this to a great extent, applauding, you know, Ryan Pace even for for picking up exactly what you needed there in the red zone. So you got to hope it continues. And now the Jimmy Graham revenge game, uh, part two against Green Bay. <laughs> so let's see what he can put together. Yeah, Jimmy Graham yards, has 48 catches for 450 yards. Touchdowns. 450 yeah. yards? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, that's, you know, that's, that's great production from a tight end. Dude, if he gets us, if he gets 50 more yards in this last game, that you're talking about 500 yards and maybe more than eight touchdowns depends on depending on what he does next week. But I mean, like, let's just say he gets 50 yards, no touch, no touchdowns next week. I mean, 500 yards and, and eight touchdowns from Jimmy Graham. Go tell me one person that that said Jimmy Graham was going to do something like that. Go tell me. And, you know, it's funny, <laughs> like people will still complain about him and say, like, oh, it's only 500 yards. Knowing damn well they said he sucked and the Bears shouldn't even bring him in. So it's like, do you have high expectations for him or not? Like, you can't have it both ways. So sure. listen yeah, to I'm this. Going... Go ahead. Listen to this. 
Pro Bowler Evan Ingram, 637 oh, yards, one touchdown. I was looking at that yesterday. That's okay. <laughs> so Jimmy Graham has seven more touchdowns, and yes, he has 200 around 180 less yards than a Pro Bowler. But it's because he's got less receptions. He's not got get as many targets. He's you know not as big of a piece of the offense as Evan Ingram is. But like, come on, like that's a great comparison. A guy who's in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Yes, he is not deserving of being in the Pro Bowl. But even like a T.J. Hawkinson, T.J. Hawkinson, who you know many regard as one of the top tight ends now in the NFC, 698 yards, six touchdowns. So, like, I mean, if you look yeah. at those comparisons, man, I mean, it's it's really, really impressive when you look at the comparisons. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing with Jimmy Graham. Like, one thing you'll always get out of him is freaking effort. Like, this guy catches, yeah. a, two-yard, this guy catches a two-yard pass, goes out of bounds, and instantly starts talking shit. Like, that's freaking yeah. amazing. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, that's, you know, real quick, I mean— He's kind of an emblem for what Ryan, the players that Ryan Pace acquires. Ryan Pace acquires high character leaders. That that that's who he acquires in the draft. That's who he acquires in free agency. He doesn't mess around with drama queens. He messes around with team players, guys who are gonna you know lead the younger guys. That's you know I bet one of the main reasons he brought Jimmy Graham in. You know he's a, been a great leader for Cole Komet. Uh, he's a guy with a whole lot of fire. Um, you know you, you just look at all the guys he's drafted. I mean Darnell Mooney, great kid, a guy who's putting his effort out all you know every single game. I mean you could go down the list of the guys that he has put together. Um, and they just you know they're, they're part of this culture. And part of the character of this team that's a really, really strong character full of really, really good leaders. So credit to – because there is something to be said about that, about having a high character roster uh, and a good culture in that regard. So credit to them and credit to those guys uh, you know, who, who have been leaders and, and been good character guys, especially through times where you know, you could have lost a little bit of that character during that six-game skid. But they stuck together. Uh, they, they, they maintained being leaders. Nick Foles, one of them as well. Uh, and they got out of their hole to where they are now. So huge credit, man. Yeah, and now you're in this position where you can go in and you know control your own destiny with as far as the playoffs go. So I mean, you're right, Kevin. There are teams that a lot of people, uh, you know, would probably rolled over and died, but this team didn't quit. They went through another quarterback change, and here they are. So it's exciting. I'm excited. I think. I mean, this could change tomorrow, and I think could get more brain power to it. But as of right now, I'm excited for this Packers game, which is a dangerous thing to say, but. It, um, oh, I, I oh mean, who who wouldn't be, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's exciting to be in a playoff race, especially after what yeah. happened last year. Yeah. yeah. Am That's I fair. fearful of what is what the possible outcome? Oh yes, I am effing scared, guys, that we might see a 2013. I mean, this is it's uh, it's almost uh, exactly it's a carbon copy of 2013. You know, they flex this game to 325. With it's gonna be Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and whoever the you know what's the girl's name who does the reporting? What's her name? Aaron Andrews. Aaron Andrews. Same crew that did the Bears game in 2013 against Green Bay at the same exact time. There's a lot of comparisons, so I'm scared of an outcome where our hearts are absolutely shattered. Uh, you know, if the Cardinals end up winning and we lose that game, that our hearts are absolutely shattered. But at the same time, like regardless, you know, Packer Week, whether you're playing for the playoffs or you're one in 11, one in 14 playing in the final game of the season, it's always a whole bunch of fire. We had Josh Woods on earlier in the year. He talked. He he made a great testament to the rivalry. It's still alive. It's Packer Hate Week. It's going to be a great seven days, six days, getting ready for this game, getting excited, getting juiced up, and then Sunday. I mean, this is one of the more anticipated games. For this team in in a long time. I mean, aside from the playoff game in 2018, this game in this next six days will be some of the most anticipated days for Bears fans since I don't, I don't even know when. I mean, it's it against your rival to get into the playoffs uh, with you know what for with everything we've seen from this team. I mean, it's it's sort of magical. It's sort of storybook. So I'm I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I I can't wait till Sunday. I may get my heart broken. I may not. I may be elated. So uh, I, I'm I'm super excited, Chris. I don't know if you feel the same way. If you're staying a little bit cautious, you know, I you don't want to get your expectations up too high so it doesn't hurt so much if it doesn't happen. Um, but that's where I'm at, man. I'm juiced. I'm ready. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin knows me too well, man. He just knows me too well. Like, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I'm it, – it's hard. It, it, it's hard to explain where I'm at right now. Like, it truly is because I, I – Listen, I, I'm going to end it with this. I I said I wanted the Bears to tank, okay? They won two games. Once they became 7-7, seven and seven, like, there was no point in me rooting for that. I just want to say, like, despite all of this, man, like, I, I, I'm, you know, it, I, I am I am proud. Like, I, them tanking 
could have been the easy way out. Like, I think it would have been the easy way out personally. Like, you know what I mean? You just, you blow it up. You're already losing. So, you know, it's not going to take much emotional toll on the fans. You'd lose out, you get a good pick, you know, it's the, we, it's the easy way out. And they, they didn't, they didn't fold. They didn't give up. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm tempering my expectations for sure. Like I'm not going in there saying we're going to absolutely beat the Packers, but you know, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be happy about. And, you know, it, it's just, it's one of those things where I, I think they were so in the middle that there are just so many ways of viewing the situation. Um, but now like there's no, I mean, you're in the, you're in this spot, like it's winter go, I mean, not winter go home, but you know, you either make it or you don't make it. So, um, screw the tanking. They just got to hope they get this, get this done, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's basically where we're at. Just get it done. I mean, you, you have to have that chip on your shoulder, um, after the performance you put up against the Packers a couple weeks ago. So, uh, we'll see, obviously we'll talk about it more in the preview episode, but for now, the Bears are in a playoff spot. So against all odds, after everything that happened, everything, all the ups and downs of the season and of this podcast, even um, they're in a playoff spot and you control your own destiny. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, the Bears put up 40 points. They kick the Jaguars teeth in. And here we are going in the last week of the season and we'll see what happens. It's very scary, but also very exciting. Yeah. And wait, real quick, real, real quick. I'm going to say it again. Josh Woods did promise me a victory against the Packers. He has a Oh, he did. To, he has a chance to right his wrong um, <laughs> and and get it done. And he's lucky. He's lucky cuz you know, they get the they obviously see the Packers twice, so yes. he can make up for it. He can make up for that first game. He didn't oh, he didn't yeah. say when. He didn't say when. He didn't so say when. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, he didn't specify, so No, but we'll talk about the Packers game more uh, later this week and we'll break it down and get you properly hyped for that game. But as of today, again, Bears are in the seventh seed. They put up 40 points. First time since 1965 they put up more than 30 in four straight weeks. So things are good, and, and we'll, we'll break that down uh, more later this week. But as always, the listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us. We appreciate you all who listen. Uh, so thank you for coming along on this ride with us. But for myself and for Kevin and Chris – Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later in the week to break down the Packers game and to get ready for the playoffs. So we will talk to you then. And until then, bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.